I have got a message which is going to spread over two weeks. So um, if you're not going to be here next week, make sure you hear it. And tell anyone that isn't here, they must hear this one and next week's together because they both fit together. It's a two-part message. And the title of today's message is this, Living Vision. Living Vision. As a family, we've been here now for 25 years. This very week is our 25th anniversary of having moved to Cambridge. Thank you. Thank you very much. I was 32 years of age. Ange was 30 or 29, 30, uh, something like that. And time has gone by. But I will say this, that we have sought to live the vision. And that was partly what was intended in my title, it must be lived out. But also in this title, it's because the vision is living. The vision doesn't remain static. At its core, it stays the same. But it's a living vision that expands and grows. And, such, and so it has over these last 25 years. And for these next number of years, it's still going to be growing and alive. And we need to live it. I want to read to you from probably what is the best-known verse in the Bible concerning vision. I've got it in my notes here from 26 different versions. Now, that would be most of my time gone, so I'm not going to read it from all of them. But those 26 ver versions help to demonstrate how rich vision is and our understanding of it. So I'm going to read it. It's in your U version notes, just from three versions. The NIV says this, Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no revelation, everyone say revelation, people cast off restraint, but blessed is the one who heeds wisdom and instruction. Then the New Living Translation says this, when people do not accept divine guidance, say divine guidance, they run wild, but whoever obeys the law is joyful. Then the last one, which is in the screen, I think, Proverbs 29, 18 from the ESV. Where there is no prophetic vision, say prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is he who keeps the law. But blessed is he who keeps the law. The reason I got us to repeat those phrases is I want us to understand this. The vision is not something we create. We can't create a vision. Vision rests primarily with God. It's God who gives vision. So the terms that we read there was this, divine guidance. It said prophetic vision. No revelation. They're all words that are essential for us to understand if we're to understand vision. We serve a God who has a vision. But he shares that vision with us. And what that verse goes on to say is vision is big, so it's big, bold, and beautiful. So vision sets us free to live big lives. But vision, almost paradoxically, restrains us. It's huge. It's cosmic. It's eternal. It rests in God. And yet, vision restrains us. Vision causes us to be restrained and limited and focused. 
So we serve a God who has a vision, but he shares that vision with us. And that affects everything we do in life. It affects how we spend our money. It affects how we spend our time. It affects everything we do. It affects how we do our jobs and raise our children because we have a vision. Hello, I need you to look. I'm preaching better than you're responding right now. This should be living in our hearts. Vision. We serve a God who has a vision. Now vision essentially answers the why behind all that we do. It must inform the what and the how, but it's easy to lose focus on the why in the midst of the what and the how. The what and the how can be tiresome, but the vision ignites our energy. I've been searching for a new gym. It looks, to be honest, that I'm going to go back to my old gym because the bottom line is it's the cheapest in the city. But I've been looking at some other gyms, some more expensive ones. I've been doing every trial you can possibly get for limited amounts of time or a free day pass or 28 days for 28 pounds. And I've been going to all these different gyms. And as I say, I'm probably going back to my old one. But it reminded me of when I first went to a gym. And I remember the first gym I ever visited because gyms weren't as popular in the 80s as they are now. And it was in a place called Charing Cross in Birkenhead. And they were advertising themselves as a kind of groundbreaking gym. And in the interview, they asked me, why do you want to come to the gym? And I remember saying something along these lines. I want to be healthy in mind, body, and spirit. This is good, that, wasn't it? They looked just like you looked when I said that to them. Because this wasn't a mind, body, and spirit gym, trust me. It was a grunt kind of gym in Birkenhead in Charing Cross. So they smiled anyway, and they kind of humored me. And then they gave me a book. And in this book were images of men ranging from Sid Little. If any of you remember Sid Little, probably not. You're not old enough to. Sid Little was the... One half of a comic duo, Little and Large, and he was Little, obviously, the clues in the name. And he was a very small, spiny, spindly kind of guy, very, very weak. And then they showed me different pictures, and the last one was Arnold Schwarzenegger, who in the 80s was just coming into scene. He think he'd just done his first Terminator movie. He'd been Mr. Universe, whatever he'd been with all, and there was this, this huge mountain of a man, and then there was everything in between of people I didn't know. And this is what they said to me. Choose the body you would like to become. And then, this is why it was a groundbreaking gym. What they did was they photoshopped, which wasn't that popular in those days, the picture they'd taken of me onto the head of the body. Now, I haven't got that original picture, but I asked our media team if they could supply me with another picture. So take a look at this. This was taken last week in, in the new gym that I, I was at. I think there's another one of me as well. Go to the next one as well. I think there's a couple up there. And what we were given, there is another one, or there was, no. I think what, what, what they did for me then, <laughs> we'll take that off. Take it off. Take it off. <laughs> it's so distracting. What they did then was they, they gave me a photocopy of that, and they put it on the locker, and they said to me, every time you come in, if you've got the other picture, put that one up in there because it's color. They said, every time you come in, look at that picture and remember, that's the why you're here. 
Now, I'm not sure they were right, but I understood their motivation. I only did my free trial for a month and never went back. Okay, I know you all recognize that. Guess what? The what and the how, if that was to be a real picture, <laughs> God forbid, is laborious. It's day in, day out. It's tiresome. It's monotonous. We like to think it's all, you know, sexy and it's hard, just really hard work. The only thing that'll keep you going is if you know the why. The why. Now, you've heard stuff like this before. I've talked about uh, Simon Sinek with the Golden Circle. Some of you have seen this image perhaps in the past where he talks about knowing your why, the what and the how are important. But his point is very few know the why. And he adds this, I'll quote from him, the why can never be simply to make money. That's too small a goal. That's a result. He says we must go deeper to purpose and meaning and vision, to cause and destiny. In other words... Without vision, people perish. Without vision, without knowing your why, you live an unrestrained life. You just do anything. But if you've got a vision, you live a restrained life because it's focused you on the why. Why do I get up in the morning? Why do I bother? Now he goes into the science behind it of how it releases certain chemicals in the body, endorphins and Dopamine, which excites us when we understand the why and we get behind that. And I'm sure he's, he's right. Of course he's right. But I think why it excites us is we're connecting into the purpose for which we were born. We're connecting to an eternal vision, a God vision, that keeps us going even in the midst of the storm. Hey guys, in 25 years, I've seen some, I don't know whether I'm allowed to say this word, my wife will tell me off later for saying it. We've seen some crap in the church really have. Stuff that's really got up our nose and really upset us and tired us out and drained us. But what kept us going was looking beyond the crap to the vision. Hello? And we still got that vision. And it's grown and it's got bigger. I'm going to show you an advert. Um, I think you'll know by the end what the advert's about. It's about a why. It's not the why we live for. It's a good why. It's not the why we live for, but just look at this and just feel if it doesn't inspire you for a little bit. Go on, look at this. In case you didn't know, that was advertising sports gear. But it wasn't. That's a good why to live for. I don't think it's the best why to live for. <laughs> but I think it's a really good why to live for. But I think we've got the best why to live for. Because our why doesn't just go in this life, it's eternal. And what you do in this life affects eternity. And what we do as a church affects people's eternal destiny. So my question to you, and I knew this would be the way it was going to go today. I'm not going to have enough time. But I just want to remind you, do you know your why? Do you know your why? Because the Bible isn't unclear on the what and the how. There's, there's quite a bit about the what and the how, but it's crystal clear on the why. There's no ambiguity. There's no confusion. God knows the why, and he's entrusted it to us. For me, the best why, the way it's presented is in Genesis, where it says this. This is Genesis 1, verse 27 to 28. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. And God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful 
and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the heavens and over every living thing that moves on the earth. This is known in theological context as the cultural mandate or some call it the creational mandate. To some it might sound like a United Nations resolution but this is the teaching of the Bible. In fact, it's the first instruction given by God to the original human couple. And what the Bible does is the rest of the Bible is the unfolding of this response to the creational mandate. This is the Bible tells us how we can flourish as human beings. You do know, don't you? God wants you to flourish in every area of life. God's given us his word. God's given us his spirit. God's given us his people so that we can flourish. Human flourishing is what we're about as a church. We want everyone to live their best life now. To be fully human because we're made in the image and likeness of God. And remember, these words that we just read were spoken before sin ever entered the world. Man and woman, co-regents, that is leading together, ruling together over creation. It only becomes an issue of any disconnect between man and woman once there's a fall, once sin enters the world. This is God's normal. And this is what God wants for us. And I want us to remember the creational mandate. And this creational cultural mandate isn't limited just to Christians. This is limited to, this is accessible to all human beings, whether they believe in God or not. Now, they don't know that, but, and they don't need to know it in order to fill, fulfill it, but this is available to all. It doesn't mean they are saved, so be careful of any dodgy teaching that tells you love wins and everyone gets saved. That's heresy. But this is the truth. We can live a life that fulfills this cultural mandate that spreads the gospel at the same time because people don't get saved by fulfilling the cultural mandate, but they still can fulfill it and bring order out of chaos in their world. Did I hear an amen? Amen. Thank you. This is an excellent book I'd recommend it to you. Nancy Piercy, Total Truth, Liberating Christianity from Its Cultural Captivity. And she says this in there. In Genesis, God gives what we might call the first job description. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The first phrase, she writes, be fruitful and multiply, means this. To develop the social world. Build families, churches, schools, cities, governments. That's a fulfilling of the vision. The second phrase she writes is this, subdue the earth means to harness the natural world, plant crops, build bridges, design computers, compose music. This passage is sometimes called, she says, the cultural mandate because it reveals that our original purpose was to create cultures, build civilizations, nothing less. Now what some well-meaning Christians have done with this mandate is they've basically said, oh, it doesn't apply since the fall. Because Adam and Eve sinned, the most important now thing with the coming of Christ is personal salvation. Hear me, personal salvation is really important, but it's not the whole story. It's not everything. So this is the story of the Bible. Rick, please come here, quick. Your creation, stand here. I need someone else. This is creation. Just, just do that. No, no, low, lower. Yeah. Like, voila, creation. 
Right? I need someone else. Quick. Uh, quick, quick. I've got time's running now. So I need someone else. Someone else. Will you come up here? Yeah. Yeah. Come on. Abigail. Come here. You are, I'm sorry, you're the fall. So I want you to fall down. Oh, that was very dramatic. Well, well done. <laughs> All right, cabs, come here. This is the fall. God had a plan before the foundation of the world, which was to have a saviour. You are. Hands are right out. That's why I didn't want him. No, no. Like on a cross. We didn't, we didn't rehearse this. That's why I didn't want him. This is the cross. God had a plan of redemption. Praise the Lord. Glory to God. Hallelujah. What we do as Christians often, we live thinking this is where we live. This is all it's about. The fall and the cross. Oh, the cross. We can't live without the cross. You can't be saved without the cross. Got it? But that's not the end of the story. So, Danny... Danny, quick, come here. Danny is the new creation. Just go, I don't know, what can you do? <laughs> she is restoration. You're not doing very well. Come on, stay like that. And we think we just live between the fall and redemption. And this is important. Don't, don't hear this as me ruling this bit out. Everyone needs to be saved. Everyone needs a saviour. But as Christians, we're not just seeking to be saved. We're, living, we're seeking to flourish and be fruitful and bring in the new age. We're to take communion until he comes because there's another age that we're part of already. We've tasted of the powers of the age to come. We live in this time, but there's something perfect. In fact, it's better than what Adam lost. It's better than what he experienced. And we are here to live out our full redemptive potential, which involves, yes, we need a Savior. Yes, there's a Redeemer. But we're living for the restoration of all things, the new age, the new creation. And that means it involves all of life. Yes, get saved. But yes, do your job well. It's not just about getting saved. It's about ruling and subduing. Thank you to the drama team. I appreciate you. I've got 10 minutes left. See, I was brought up in a context where Sundays were holy, but Mondays weren't. So Sundays I couldn't buy an ice cream, but I could on Monday. Sundays I couldn't read a comic, but I could on Monday. Sundays I couldn't watch telly. But once videos were invented, we could record what was on on a Sunday and watch it on a Monday, and that was okay. Hello? What that did was separate out my life to say in Sunday. Now, please don't hear me wrong. This is where we have to hold all these things. Sundays are really important. And gathering of the church, and lots of us are really lax on this, and you will... If you don't get this habit of Sabbath and worship in your life, you will be the poorer for it, and so will your family. So if you only come twice a month, guess what? Your kids may only come once a month. So, but I don't mean that in a legalistic way. I just mean it in God's order. So that's really important. But don't think Sunday is any more holy than Monday. And don't think lifting up hands like we do in song, and we love doing that, is any more about worship than what you do on a Monday morning when you go into the office or into the school, or wherever you go, or into the, into the home. Part of the creational mandate is to have children, but that does not mean if you don't have children that you can't be fruitful and multiply, because it's much bigger than children. 
It includes children. And by having children, you are partly fulfilling this. And if you're stay-at-home parents, you can fulfill the creation of mandate by raising your children. But it's not all there is. So don't think you're second class if you don't do that or have that. It's so much bigger. This is a 16-week series that I'm trying to get into one week. Everything we do, we do for the glory of God. So work is spiritual. Parenting is spiritual. Sex is spiritual if it's done for the glory of God. How we use our money is spiritual. And we're here as a church because ultimately the answer to man's aloneness wasn't found in marriage. The ultimate, the, the response to man's aloneness was found in community. And marriage may be a reflection of that, but marriage doesn't complete you. Relationship with God does and connection to his people does. That's the, so I don't want to, marriage is great, by the way. I'm happily married for 400 years and I love it. <laughs> but, so I'm not, but I'm just trying to say, it's, it's think, let's think bigger. Let's go wider in our perspective and deeper in our thinking. So how does this apply to our vision here at C3? Well, Jesus came, lived a sinless life, died on a cross for the sins of all humanity, rose from the dead and gave his disciples and thus us, a great commission. You know the great commission? Matthew chapter 28, it's in, your, it's in your notes. Jesus said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. He rules. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything. Say everything. Everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you even to the end of the age. That, my friends, is a reiteration of the cultural mandate. It's a restating in a different way of what was said in Genesis 1, 27 and 28. Only now, the people that can only truly fulfill it are the people of God. Because it involves a relationship with Jesus. doesn't mean the others can't be involved in it. But the others being involved in it still need to experience a divine encounter with Jesus to fully be able to teach everything he's given, which includes the cultural mandate. And so for us, it means as a church, we as believers, as the family of God, as the household of faith, we can most fully fulfill the cultural mandate through fulfilling the Great Commission because it embraces the cultural mandate. Are you with me? Give me an amen. So how does it apply to us as a church? Number one, this. We must always have an expansive mentality. We must always have an expansive mentality. Be fruitful and multiply. Go into the world. All of that implies movement and growth. Can I just say this to us? Settling is a natural human condition, but we must never give in to it. Hello? If you haven't got this with the word Daniel Rolf brought, if you haven't got this with the word that Sophia Barra brought, it was so clear to me what was coming through. Is don't settle. Don't settle. We must not settle. And it's, listen, the older you get, the easier it is to, 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 to settle. There's some people in the church here, though, who have joined us recently in their 80s. And I just want to applaud them. I'm not going to name them. They're in this meeting. But I've watched how they're refusing to settle. They're getting involved. They're connecting. They're working. They're just giving of their life. It doesn't have to have a pay packet attached to it. We refuse to settle, and I'm sorry, while I lead this church, we'll never, ever get to the point and say, 
let's be at ease in Zion. It ain't going to happen. Settling is a human condition that needs to be avoided at all costs. Read the parables that Jesus told. The mustard seed. The sower that goes forth to sow. What's it about? Growth and increase. So we must always keep thinking growth and increase. Now, I'm not talking about frenetic activity because I believe we need the order of rest and Sabbath and such like. But I am talking that while it's light, we keep working. I listened to a podcast this morning by Pete Gray. Can I recommend it to you? He talked this morning about um, revival. And his, his point was this. I, he said, I honestly believe revival has started in the nation. And he went through why the increase of prayer that we've experienced even here as a church across the nation, the increase of unity that's happening, the social reform where Christians are involved at the sharp end of things. We know that even in our own city here. The desire and the response of people in services to follow Jesus. Lots of things he gives. While it's light, we keep working. But revival takes work. I've seen that. I saw that when I visited two revival spots, Pensacola and China. One was in North America, one was in China. They were totally different. But boy, did those guys work. We can't settle. It's not allowed until Jesus returns. We've got to keep an expansionist mentality. Which is why, in two weeks' time, we're starting church online. It could, thank you, that was a better clap than I got earlier. It could fail. But we're going to try it anyway. Because there are people who will never darken the doors of a church building, no matter how pretty. And we want to reach them. We've got to keep an expansionist mentality. For those of you online pastors, any in the room, you're online pastors, would you just stand to your feet? Any of you, quick, 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 stand to your feet. Just Martin, oh, some over here, Solomon too. Great. Thank you. We pray for you that you'll connect with people and across these services today we'll, that you'll connect with people and you'll lead them to faith in Jesus Christ online because we're expanding the kingdom and we want to connect them to churches if they're not around here. I'll tell you what will happen though. People locally will first look into us and think, oh, that's an interesting church. I might go there. They will. You think, oh, they might not come. You watch. Trust me, I'm a pastor. They'll come. It won't in any way, but God bless you, God bless you, God bless you, and anyone else that's involved in online, may the grace of God be with you. Give them a round of applause. That's part of our expansionist mentality. Secondly is we're starting Berry. Well, see, I keep, we keep saying we've, we're starting Berry. We've started Berry. We were there at Christmas. John with three groups leading it as around 65, 70 people connected, something like that. That's wonderful. We started at Bury St. Edmunds. Good job. But we're not, we're going there and we're believing for 100 people to go. So I want to put it out to you again. Time is now starting to tick down. Would some of you sign up for a one year commitment to go to Bury St. Edmunds and be part of that team there? What will happen is it'll leave big holes here. So I'm saying to the other of you that are staying, and don't all go to Barry, some of you stay here. Some of you are staying. Would you fill some of the holes? Because we're going to feel a loss. You're going to be here one Sunday, January, and suddenly the people that you normally used to see, they're not here anymore. As the rapture happened. Where have they gone? 
and gone to bury. And it could fail. Hello? It could fail. But I believe it can work if we put the right resources behind it. We want 100 people. Why have we held back? We've held back because we want 100 people to go. It's an expansionist mentality. I've observed, I've researched, the churches that do church planting best are those that send a lot of people and put a lot of money behind it. That doesn't sound very spiritual, does it? But all things are spiritual. And the churches that do it with a small group and don't put a lot of money, doesn't mean they're not beautiful, doesn't mean they fail, it just means they take a lot longer to get somewhere. Money is not evil. Hello? The love of it can be. So we want to use it for the glory of God. Smile at me and say, we love talking about money, Steve. Of course you do. So we want 100 people to go. On your seats, there's this response form. We'll be singing the song in a few minutes. If you would like to say, yeah, I think I'd like to go. And we'll leave it as, as gentle as that for a moment. I think I'd like to go to Barry and I haven't responded yet. Can you fill in your details there? Or if you've never filled in a card and given us your details, just don't write, this is for Barry. Just write on there your, your details. You can do that as well. So we've got them. We're going to take up a, a little offering for you to put them in the bucket. But if you say, yeah, I'd like to consider Barry, then we'll get in touch with you. Write it in the comments box. We'll get in touch with you, and you can come to a meeting on May 7th here, not in Bury, that will tell you a little bit more, and maybe we'll be asking some of you to step up and lead in some areas. Could you go? Because we want to keep an expansionist mentality. Will you go? I've mentioned experimenting a few times here. If we're to fulfill the cultural mandate, it will take experimentation. Adam and Eve did not get a manual and this is how to fulfill it. They had to go and practice and try different things. They could fail these projects. But we'll have learned. I went fly fishing this week with an England expert. A man who for years, honestly, he's fished for England. It was freezing cold. We didn't catch anything. Nine hours of fishing out in a boat in the middle of a lake. It was freezing. But I'll tell you what, I've learned how to cast on a whole nother level. I failed, I didn't catch any fish. But I know how to get my fly, that's what I put the end of your line, further out. And how to control it. I learned something. Thanks for paying for that and for my birthday. I appreciate it. I also need to mention this. We're going to experiment here in the church because we want to have an expansionist mentality with the children being out for the whole of our service by way of their own worship time and their own teaching time. They go out at the end, you know, but we're going to experiment from May. So as the kids, and we'll confirm the age groups because I'm going to get it wrong if I say it, that will be out for the whole of the time. If you don't want your kids to go out, keep them in, don't worry. But we'll be doing a full program for them. And we believe we can make better help with you to make better disciples by them being out. The youth won't be out. They'll go out at the worship time. But the children below youth, from walking age, they'll be out. We're not now going to change the times of our services. We announced at the beginning of the year that we're going to change the times of our services from 9, from 9.30 to 9, from 11.30 to 11, and then 5.30 to 5. We're not going to do that now. We've thought about it. 
and we, we thought that's not going to work for us. It actually could make the problem worse because it's our second service that normally is the one that's full and we think some of the 930s, 30s, as in you lot, might end up going to the 11 one and that's only going to cause us more problem. So we thought, no, we're not going to do that. We're going to stay as we are. But we do some Sundays have a problem with too many people. So we're going to experiment with that for the rest of the year. We want your feedback and your children's feedback because we can change it and go back. If it doesn't work, it will create a bit more space in here, but that's not the main reason for doing it. The main reason for doing it is we think we can better disciple the children by giving them longer than a short time whilst they're out. It's just an experiment. So let's try that. And then I want to mention this, and I will finish with this, because I've got to. To fulfill the cultural mandate, not only do you have to have an expansive mentality, not only do you have to experiment, but thirdly, and I didn't put that second one in my notes when you thought of it this morning, we have to have you go to the next slide. It's going to be a generous attitude because it's going to be expensive. It's going to be expensive to expand. But we're all right, we've got the money. It's in your bank balances still, but we've got it. And we've got our vision offering coming up. As you came in today, you got this C3 giving. I can't go through it. But this detailed all that we've given in the last couple of vision offerings outside of ourselves. We've given consistently outside of ourselves to evangelism, individuals, to disaster relief, to overseas mission, to churches who are on building projects. And we'll continue to do that with our next vision offering. We will once again give away 10% of all we receive it. Our goal again in the next vision offering is £200,000. I'm going to read a list of where that's going to go in a minute. But I honestly believe we can get that 200000 twice a year. Some of you have already given because before the end of the tax year, it was better for you to give. Thank you for being diligent in that way. Already we've got some deposit towards that 200000 200000 sounds a lot. I know it sounds a lot. But we've done it consistently and we can do it again. And some of you knew it's your time, it's your turn to give. I always believe this. Ten people to give 10,000 gives us half of that. And if you've done it once, you can probably do it twice. And I've discovered this. If you can do it twice, you can probably do it three times. And if you've done it three times, you can definitely do it four times. And some of you think, well, I can't do that. But what can you give? What's the amount for you to give so that together we'll reach that 200,000 pounds? Here's the list of what we're going to give to. We're going to give to Barry St. Edmunds. We're going to give to Church Online. We're going to introduce a comm system here, which is throughout the building with headsets, which is a health and safety issue in many ways because we've had accidents some part of the building and someone has to run down and call an ambulance and that kind of thing. So this is going to help us. That's a, it's expensive. You'll see in a minute. Westminster Theological Centre. We're doing that again next year. We're supporting that. Digital signage for the front of the building. Some of you have already commented the signage isn't very clear. And it's true. It's because we want it to be bright, to be able to be seen there, and to be able to rotate it and move it. So we've got a price. And we're getting prices for some digital screens to go to communicate what's going on here. We want to give to the Barnabas Fund again. That's our 10% overseas, outside of us. That includes supporting the Harrys. We want to pay some of our mortgage off. We'll announce next week where we're up to on our mortgage. And we want to put something into capital reserve. The amounts, which you can write down if you want to, 
We want to put 56,000 towards Berry. Next time when we do an offering, we'll be putting 100,000 towards Berry. Take photos of this. But we, you said that's a lot of money because it's expensive to, expensive to expand. So we want to put 100,000. Three quarters of that is into hiring a facility. Three quarters of that because we're hiring the best facility that's in Berry. We could hire something cheaper, but we want to do it well with the 100 people that are going. 10,000 will go to church online. There'll be another 15 in the next one. The comm system will cost us 21. We're putting 3,000 towards the theological center. Digital signage, we don't have all the quotes in yet. This is a guess, around about 35,000 pounds because it's expensive, but it's expensive to be expensive. And we want people as they're driving past. 33,000 people a week visit Sainsbury's. And Sainsbury's and Asda, as you might know, were joining. I think it's been blocked. But there was talk of maybe some sites being sold. My first thought was, oh no, what about the car parking? My second thought was, what if we could buy Sainsbury's? It's expensive, but we've got to keep expensive. We're not going to do that. You're all right. Don't look so worried. But we have to dream in those ways because it's crazy dreaming, guys. That's what the vision is like. And then we want to put 10% always into paying off the mortgage and 10% into always the capital reserve. I think there's a figure missing off there, um, which I can't see. But we're also asking for 3,000, and I'll finish with this, towards an Easter campaign, which is going to be cross equals heart. In other words, cross equals love. Other churches have done that across the world. We're going to use that for our Easter campaign. But we've also booked a sign in the sky. As in, we've booked a plane that will do a smoke screen, smoke, whatever they call it, a smoke of the cross equals heart over Cambridge. And it will be at three o'clock, which is the moment Jesus died on Good Friday, so that everyone can see in the sky, Jesus loves you. And we want £3,000 towards that. It's costing us for the campaign. And part of this money will go towards that. And we want all of you to be out taking photos and put it on social media. They did it in Sydney over the beaches. We asked, could we do it over King's College? We probably can't, but there'll be somewhere. And we'll try and find out exactly where it is. If it's cloudy, it won't happen. They'll delay it to another day, which would be a shame. So pray for sunshine on Good Friday. We're just trying to say to our city, you need a saviour, but there is one. His name is Jesus. And all those areas will go towards trying to say to our city, there's a saviour and his name is Jesus.